Well, welcome to Center Point. So glad you made it today. Glad you're here. Welcome. If you're new with us, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here, and I'm glad that you're our guest today. And I want us to join together and make a declaration. And it's a declaration that believers have been making for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I want you to just lift your voice loud and strong. And would you just say with me these words, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Shout it. Thank you, Lord, for the resurrection and the life that you are. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. I wasn't here last weekend, and that's because I was doing a relay race. It's called the Ragnar Relay Race. There's a few of us out here, but it's a 200-mile relay race, and uh, from Huntington Beach to San Diego, takes about 30 hours, 36 legs, just nonstop running and getting in a van, running, getting in a van, and you, you do it as a team. You pile into this van, get all sweaty, smelly, gross, and dirty for hours in a van together, and, and everybody's got to take their turn driving the van. That's just kind of how it works, and so... Uh, I did my turn driving the, the van after about 24 hours of running and no sleep, and I just say that in my defense, but, you know, but uh, anyway, at the end of it, or almost near the end of it, we were in this parking lot, and I just started to just conk out, and I'm half asleep in the passenger seat at this point, and I think everybody in the van thought I was asleep, and this one person uh, leaned over and said to the other person who was now driving and said, I'd have to tell you, John Hansen is a scary driver. I woke right up. I heard that. I was like, excuse me, I think the word you're looking for is John Hansen is a scary, awesome driver. That's what you were trying to say. I know it. <laughs> I think it's because there was this little tiny parking spot I had to back this big old passenger van into, and there were these pretty flowers in the back. I might have gotten a little close. Okay, I crushed the flowers. Hashtag, they'll grow back. Anyway. She was upset. And then maybe it was, uh, there was this other moment where I made an excellent, swift left turn, but there wasn't any left turn lane. That might have been a problem from some people. Or maybe it was because that I just was not following the, the speed suggestions that were on those signs on the side of the road. But anyway, it's a race, right? I figured my job is get us there quick, you know? Anyway, hashtag nobody died. That's what I told her. Anyway. Anyway, I, nobody died. J this Easter, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus died and then rose from the dead. This changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. It has the capacity to change my story and yours. And I want us to just think together about uh, the fact that we can laugh at death because of the resurrection of Jesus, something that normally is very somber for us, we actually can laugh at it because the sting of death is removed by the resurrection of Jesus. So I want us to do some laughing today. I want to just share with you some, um, you know, Easter's always about the tomb and the stone in front of it, and I want to share some tombstones that I've seen that, I don't know, I thought were kind of funny. Like, for example, uh, the Spanks family tombstone, Arthur Spanks his wife, Catherine. I don't know if that has something to do with why he died so young, but, <laughs> and then, you know, there's a name that we don't use very often these days, it's the name Constant, and it's a great name unless you are Constant, that guy, anyway, and then there's always unmarked graves, you know, like the unmarked grave that just simply said, died from not forwarding that Facebook message to everybody in your friend group, <laughs> that could be anyone here, and then there was another unmarked grave, it just simply said, I told you I was sick. 
You know, because she had said, look, just take some aspirin and then you'll be better in the morning. But he wasn't. So anyway. And then another unmarked grave, they just, it just said, oh no, because nobody knew his name. That's just the last thing they ever heard him say. So they just put that on there. Oh no. And then, uh, I love this one, the grave of Pancracio Juvenales. It says, buen padre, buen esposo, mal electricista. Good father, good husband, bad electrician. You know, it's <laughs> great tombstone. And then there was... Uh, a man by the name of Bob Easton Yates, and he just went with the monogram for his tombstone. Bye, you know, <laughs> if you're looking for an idea. Anyway, you know what? I, I think it's good to, to laugh a little bit in, in the face of death because that's what the resurrection makes it possible for us to do. But the resurrection also calls for you and I to respond. And to respond uh, not just at the surface level where we might chuckle a little bit, but where we would respond with something from deeper within us. And I want you to see from the scriptures what kind of response is in order or should be considered, right? And so it's in the book of Romans in the New Testament, and it says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. I want you to read this with me from the screen. Ready? Go. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. We'll stop right there, and I want you to just recognize this. When your confession lines up with his resurrection, your life story can take a new direction. And I'm praying that for some of us, this would be the moment today that we would make that confession in his resurrection so that our story can go in a new direction right here and right now and for all eternity. I'm praying for that for you. But I want us to spend some time uh, discovering the Easter story together. And maybe we've been, you know, reading the Bible a lot this week or maybe we haven't been reading it at all for years. And in either case, I want to make sure we're dialed in on the scriptures today. So I want you to open your Bible if you brought it or open up your Bible app on your phone. And you can even download that right now if you want to go along this way. But the Easter story that I want to read from today is in Matthew chapter 28. So you can get there to Matthew chapter 28. And as you're turning there, here's a little bit of the context. Matthew 27 describes what happened the day of the crucifixion. It, it actually starts with the Wednesday night dinner that we call the Last Supper, but those disciples didn't know it was anything other than, hey, we're going to get ready for the holidays with the dinner with Jesus but then he, he did this thing. He lifted up this cup and said, this is my blood. It's going to be shed for you. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And the disciples looked at each other wondering, what in the, what in the world is he talking about? What is going on? Judas bolted, sold him out. The, 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 the officials came, arrested Jesus, and he was tortured. He was beaten. And then he was crucified. Most likely on Thursday. And you got to just imagine it, right there before lunch, these spikes just being driven into his hands. And these spikes driven into his feet. And the pain of spikes being driven into his hands would be severe enough. The pain of spikes being driven through his feet would have been severe enough. But I think that it probably pales in comparison to the pain that Jesus, the Son of God, experienced when in that moment, in that very moment, all of the sin of thousands of generations of every human being who ever lived, every dirty, nasty thing everyone ever did that they hope no one ever found out about, every shadowy, shameful thing that people tried to cover up, every murderous, hideous thing that anyone ever did, my sin, your sin, for thousands of generations just whoosh, nailed into his body. 
1 Peter 1.24 says that he bore our sins in his body on that cross. That happened. And he cried out, it is finished. And then he breathed his last. And for the disciples, this just meant that the ending of the story had been written as far as they knew. The story had been so good and it wasn't supposed to turn out like this. And then this ending was written. Jesus, dead. Now being put in a tomb. And his body was put in a tomb. They put six Roman soldiers to guard the tomb. They put a big old 2,000 pound stone in front of it to seal it up. And the disciples had nothing to do at this point except weep. To mourn. Because Jesus was gone. I mean, that, that was what had been written in the ending as far as they could tell. And so they wept and they mourned. And another day went by and they wept and they mourned and they cried. And then the third day they wanted to pay respects. They wanted to bring some kind of honor. And so they came to the tomb ready to maybe bring some spices to anoint the body if there could be some people that could open it up. And, and that's the backdrop for what we're about to read in Matthew chapter 28. So you can check out the scriptures in Matthew 28 now. It says, early on Sunday morning as a new day was dawning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him. They fell into a dead faint, and the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb, and they were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them. He greeted them. And they ran to him. Somebody say they ran to him. And they, they ran to him. They grasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they'll see me there. You know what I love about this moment is that when these women catch a glimpse of the risen Jesus, they can't even help themselves. They're not sitting back with their arms across their chest going, Oh, this is a very interesting concept, but I have some philosophical discrepancies with it. No! When they saw a glimpse of the risen King Jesus, they ran to him. And when they got to him, they grabbed his feet. They got down on their knees and they worshipped him because there's no other response necessary when you catch a glimpse of the risen King Jesus than to bow at his feet and worship him. We got something to shout praise about. You have a king who conquered death for you. If there wasn't a reason to shout that isn't there, I don't know where you're going to find it. This is the appropriate response, to run to Jesus, to grab hold of him and to worship him. And they did, because what they were witnessing was the story being rewritten. I mean, the story was rewritten, and it showed up with this angel with a face like lightning. What does that even look like? The story was rewritten 
through the resurrection. And, and what was only going to be about death and mourning and pain and sadness and loss, suddenly the script got flipped and it's about life. It's about miracles. It's about hope. It's about love. It's about the power of God coming and rewriting for an alternate ending that no one could even imagined. But the, the angel, you got to pay attention to the words of the angel in verse, in verse uh, 6. The words of the angel are important. I want you to read those words out loud with me. Ready, go. The angel said, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. He is risen from the dead. The fact that Jesus is risen from the dead means that you and I can also rise from dead ways of living, dead death traps that we've been stuck in. The deadness of sin doesn't get to keep a hold on us. The fact that Jesus is risen just as he said means there's a way for you and I to make it through the valley of the shadow of death and know that he's with us even still. Come on somebody and shout glory to God for the resurrection. Glory to God for the resurrection. I want us to think together about something. What we've just read described what happened. But I want us to also dwell for a little bit on why it happened and what it means for us. And so in the New Testament, later in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I want us to think about them together for the next 10 minutes. In Romans chapter 4, verse 25, I want you to say these words out loud together. Ready? Go. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. And both sides of the equation matter. Both sides matter. He was handed over to die because of our sins. Oh man, we, we, don't, we don't really like talking about sin all that much. If I was to say, oh, I'd like to get some volunteers, if you could just go ahead and stand up and just begin to talk about all your deepest, darkest sins for a minute. <laughs> Probably not a lot of takers, right? But the truth is, we need to address the reality of sin, because it's always going to be there if we don't address it and let the cross address it. Sin is anything that we do that misses God's mark of perfection, God's standard of holiness. And when we finally get around to accepting, okay, there's some, something to this whole idea of, of missing God's mark and, and making a mess of things and choosing things that are unrighteous and wrong and harmful. We, we start talking about things like, yeah, well, but I'm not hurting anybody, except we usually are hurting somebody. We're hurting people who love us and care about us through these choices that we're making. We're hurting our own self, created in the image of God to live in a glorious kind of a life. We're, we're hurting the heart of, of the heavenly Father who cares about us. We're, we're hurting the relationships with people that we value. And we're damaging ourselves. And God sees the problem, but sometimes we see it differently. We see the problem of sin, and we think, okay, well, I see there's a problem with sin, but I'll fix it. That's what we start thinking. We start thinking, okay, the scales are off. I get it, but I could do something. I'll bounce. I'll serve at the Red Cross. I'll volunteer at a shelter. And by doing that, watch. Look, I think I can even this thing out. But it will never work. Because your idea is you think throwing a few things on this side will even it out. But God looks at that and says, but even the, your good stuff, it's, ah, it's filthy rags to me. Because my standard is perfection. And, and so when we think we can do something about our own sin, God says no. Because what really needs to happen is our sin needs to get shredded, completely shredded somehow. This past year... Uh, the artist Banksy created this beautiful painting of a little girl 
holding a balloon. And it was a really nice painting, but it was kind of shocking when at an auction, that painting sold for $1.4 million. And what was interesting is that the painting, you know, as soon as the gavel struck at Sotheby's auction house and this person won the painting, like four seconds later, all of a sudden you heard this noise inside of the painting itself. And then this happened. Maybe you remember seeing this. The painting just began to come through and got shredded right there in front of everybody. And everybody started taking pictures. And what it was is that the artist, Banksy himself, had built into his painting a shredding mechanism by his own creative design to shred the thing that he created. <laughs> I saw that though. I saw that shredding and I just started thinking about Jesus because what Banksy did to that painting is what Jesus has done to my sin. He shredded it and it was his own design from the very beginning to shred it when it needed to be shredded. I'm grateful that Jesus shredded my sin. He took the record of the charges that stood against me according to Colossians 2.14 and he shredded it on the cross. He took the, the sin and the guilt of sin off of my life. He took the shame of guilt and sin off of your life. I'm grateful. Come on somebody and say hallelujah. Hallelujah for the shredding that Jesus did when he shed his blood on the cross for you. Now, this, is, this is important. It's important for all of us to, in a very personal way, begin to reconcile with the problem of our sin and the inadequacy of our attempts to deal with it on our own and instead to just begin to say, Jesus, you did it for me. You were handed over to die because of my sins. And, but, but that's not it. Because remember Romans 4.25? Let's just go back there for a minute. And let's say it out loud again, nice and strong. Go and say it with me. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right. I want you to say it again because it was real quiet over in this side of the room. And I want you to be included in this, all right? So nice and strong. Say it one more time. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. And, and I want you to think about this for a minute. What does it mean to be made right with God? Being made right with God. You know, when we think about this phrase, being right with God, maybe the first thing that might come to our minds is something like, well, being right with God, that sounds good. Maybe that would mean like not being on his bad side anymore. Or maybe being made right with God would mean something like not being on the, on the, the bad list that God probably has, you know? I want us to just kind of step back from that idea. And here's why. You know what? The problem of sin was dealt with when Jesus was handed over to die on the cross. If there was a bad list, so to speak, and you were on it, he shredded it when he was handed over to die. We've already settled that issue. So this is something different. Being made right with God is something so much more glorious. Being made right with God is about you becoming a different kind of person right here and right now. Being made right with God is about you becoming the kind of person who's experiencing more and more of the peace of God instead of the anxiety and panic of this world. You being made right with God is about you becoming the kind of person who's living with more and more of the love of God, rising in you, filling you, healing you, mending you, making you whole again, and then flowing through you into your relationships. Come on, somebody, because you need that. Being made right with God 
It's about you becoming the kind of person who goes to sleep at night knowing that you are in the grace of God for all that happened that day and rising the next day knowing that it's a new day full of God's mercies again. Being made right with God is about you being the kind of person who the power of God is flowing into and then flowing through to make a difference in this world in the name of Jesus. You being made right with God is about you rising up to be all that you've been made to be. I mean, think about it. I'm a dad, and if I think about my kids being right with me, it's not just about, oh, they're not doing that bad stuff, and I can tolerate them now. No. If my kids are going to be right with me, what it means is they're rising up to do great things in their world. They're taking all the capacity that they have, and they're making a difference. They're doing something creative. They're thriving. They're excelling. They're maximizing their potential and bringing honor to me by what they're doing with their lives. Like, that's, that's what I have in mind, and that's what God has in mind. He has in mind for you to be the kind of person who could rise up out of that addiction and get free from it. He has in mind you becoming the kind of person who could say to the thing that has kept you trapped, I'm done being trapped. I have a savior who sets me free and I'm walking into that freedom now. It's about you becoming the kind of person who can rise up out of the slump that you've been in and rise up and take your place in the land of the living where you see his glory because you've got a savior who shows you how it's done. This is what it means to be made right with God. Come on and praise him for a second or two. The resurrection is what makes it possible. He was handed over to die because of our sins, but he was raised to life to make us right with God. It's available. You can be made right with God. But you know what we do? We get so caught up in in all of this here and now stuff. We think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good for someday, but I just got to get this next job. I just got to get this degree done because that's what's going to make everything happen for me. That's what matters most. I just got to get more money in this account. I just got to make sure that I can finally get that particular boat. You know, whatever. Like, these things occupy so much of our life, and it's not that they're wrong. It's just that they're not all there is. And we lose sight. We get so fixed in a focus that we think that's all there is when there's something so much more and it's the resurrection that makes the declaration that there is so much more. Jesus was speaking to Mary after he rose, raised Lazarus from the dead and he said to her these words in John eleven twenty five. 25. I want you to say them out loud with me. Ready? Go. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Come on and say anyone. Anyone. And he meant it. And don't let anybody add an asterisk in your Bible where at the bottom of the page they would try to tell you, it says, oh yeah, except for you because of what you did. No. When Jesus said anyone, he was putting the first rung of the ladder right where anyone could get their foot up on it. And, and there's a way for every single one of us to be part of that anyone who could believe in him and then live even after dying, to live beyond death, to live in resurrection victory. I'm praying that there would be a spiritual awakening that could begin to happen for some of us today. You know, this past week, I was uh, looking on, on Instagram one day, and I saw this picture of a, of a church building burning down. And I was like, what, what is that? That's got to be something fake. And then I started looking up the news. Maybe you did too. And, and then I saw this beautiful 
Notre Dame Cathedral burning, but I remembered, you know, 28 years ago being there as a young man and attending a mass in, in French in that place, sitting there and just praying for a few hours and to look and see on the news that it's now just being engulfed in flames, demolished, just destroyed. Oh gosh, it was an assault. I, I found myself wiping tears off my face just going, what in the world? So much destruction of something that meant so much as a place of peace and hope. But I was watching the news and the other thing that caught my attention was that even though that devastation was occurring, that the people of Paris started coming out at night with the fire in the background and no one was telling them that they needed to come out there and stand vigil, but they just gathered around and then with no direction, nobody putting some lyrics on the wall or handing out uh, words for the song, they just began to sing and a song just began to emerge. even if you don't understand the words, you just recognize that the song that's emerging is coming from a very deep place. And it's a very deep place in every human being. It's a place within us that longs for redemption. It's a place in every single one of us that longs for restoration, that longs to know that something that's valuable can be restored. And that song throughout the night over there, it just spoke about that, that in a way that wasn't even in the lyrics about people and our desire to see something redeemed and restored. And then the next day, when the dust began to settle and the flames were out, the firemen and the inspectors made their way back into the place to see the damage and make an assessment about all that had burned. And in all that had burned up, there was one thing that didn't burn up and it was the cross over the altar in the front of that place. And and the cross over the altar remained. Over, Over all of the ashes and over all of the rubble, the cross stood towering over it. And I wanted to tell you today that the cross still remains and the message of the cross still remains and speaks over the rubble and the ashes of your life and says what has been to this point is not all there is. Your story can be rewritten. The cross proclaims the heart of God over you, that you're loved, that your life matters, that you are worth loving so much that God would send his son so that your story could be rewritten. The cross proclaims, it is finished, but it's not over.
reconciled by your love. I rose up from the dust when you spoke freedom won. And it remains unfailing, death's been undone. I'm redeemed by your blood, mercy triumphed. The cross was enough, you mend what's broken. You make me Past is rewritten. I'm found in you. You mend what's broken. You make me new. My past is rewritten. I'm found in you.
few months or a few weeks ago I shared with the team hey I think our I think what I want to share about on Easter is about our our life story being able to be rewritten by the resurrection and so our team said well then we're going to write a song about it they wrote that song just to honor Jesus you know and the power of his resurrection I'm very proud of them yeah. you know I told you about that Ragnar relay race right and so the thing is, I, I never was a runner before a couple months ago. I mean, I might run uh, a mile, mile and a half on a good day, you know, if the weather was just right and if nothing bad happened that month, you know. So it was a big deal to do a 200-mile relay race. It was a big deal. You know, it took getting up every morning, 4.30, and training and, and doing five, six miles at a time, four times a week or so. And then the actual race itself, I mean... 30 hours of running and driving and running and driving and, and, and I was really grateful that my team gave me the glory run. That is the final leg of the race. I got to be the guy to run the final leg and cross the finish line. And you know what I loved is that when I crossed the finish line down there in San Diego, I came across the line and man, there's a band playing and there's a barbecue going on and there's people shouting and screaming and cheering and handing out cups of Gatorade and stuff. And, 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 and when I finally crossed the line, somebody ran out and handed me this, this medal. There it is, right? <laughs> That's a tired face right there. But... but I was so grateful for that, you know, a celebration at that finish line. I mean, could you imagine if I did all that training and all that work and, and then did the, the, the race itself, I mean, running, you know, did a, a five-mile run at one in the morning, come on, and, you know, and then I, and I get to the, imagine I get to the finish line and I come across the finish line and there's just, just one old grumpy dude with a rake that's just kind of like raking. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, goodbye, you know, that'd be so lame, could you imagine if you got to the end of your life and you cross the finish line and you breathe your last, because you will, and it's just, yeah, goodbye. That would be so lame. And the resurrection of Jesus declares that it doesn't have to be that way, that your life story can be rewritten with God's power here and now and an ultimate ending in eternity in the celebration presence of God in heaven. I want you and I, all of us, to be able to cross that finish line and enter into the celebration that is for those redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and his resurrection victory. But before that can happen, you got to lift the if. Turn to somebody and tell them, lift the if. <laughs> You're wondering, what is that about? Well, it's about Romans 10 verse 9 because if if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead 
you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you would, if you would make the confession, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, I give my heart and soul to you. All that I am, I surrender it to you, Jesus. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. Jesus, I'm yours. If you would confess Jesus is Lord, if you would believe God raised him from the dead, if you would believe he kicked death in the tooth so that you could live forever, if you would believe in the resurrection of Jesus, you would be saved. And for a lot of us, we have made that confession in his resurrection. And so our life is in a new direction, ultimately into heaven itself. But for some of us, we haven't made that confession yet. What are you waiting for? You waiting till every question gets answered? Why don't you start following Jesus and let him begin to answer the questions as you go? Make the confession. Would you pray with me? I want us to pray together. I'm praying right now, God, that you would do some spiritual awakening in this place. God, I pray that you would allow some of us right now to just finally get it that we need Jesus to shred our sin. And that there's a need for us to make our own confession. Jesus is Lord.